from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Jose from Encore Automotive. Jose, it's really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me, Brad. Very excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm really excited, too. To kick us off, can you tell me a bit about yourself, who you are, as well as your company and who you guys are and what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. I'm Jose Flores. I'm the current CEO for Anchor Automotive. Anchor Automotive has been around for more than 40 years now, and we're actually the leading tier one automotive supplier for automotive software and label management solutions. So we basically do the softwares for the cars, but also address the needs of the labels that the car needs to be on the road. Very interesting. I think you were saying like, there's a lot that goes into labels for cars. I know looking at my car, you got the door panel and it tells you the tire pressure and all that. Tell me about that. Cause it was really interesting the way you're describing it. Some of the complexities that go into that. Yeah, yeah. There's actually an inside joke that we said that nobody thinks about the automotive labels until it's too late. People are building the car and then they have the car finalized and they're like, oh, we forgot the labels. Let's reach out to Anchor, right? So it's not just about the printing of the labels. That's the easy part. The hard part or the challenging part for the labels is the data management and the auto composition of the label because each label has different data that pertains to a certain specific vehicle. For example, the VIN number needs to be on those labels or a certain tire tread pressure for those cars, right? The challenge here is how do we get the data from different databases on real time as the car is exiting the line of production, we grab the data, we out of composition that data and put it into the label. That's the magic part of it and then the challenging part of it. So nobody thinks about the high complexity steps that requires to finalize the label. You see the label and you think it's just a control P printer, here you go, let's do it. But it's more than that for sure. Very interesting. So it leads me to believe that a label on a car, it's not like a standard off the shelf label. Like it sounds like it might have different data or information or the VIN number or something that's different for every car. So that's really interesting. Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, we do categorize the labels into two categories. One of them is the dynamic labels, which you just mentioned, is data that is pertaining to a specific model, platform, or vehicle. And then we do have the standard static labels that is the same label for all the cars. For example, the airbag label. It's the same standard label for all the platforms along, along the cars. Very interesting. For those dynamic labels, it's uh, that's where the whole data thing comes in because I imagine if you got to get it right you might have a blue car and then you have a red car and you, you have a specific model or whatever it's got to be like that label for that car yeah correct and we as anchor we provide also software solutions that will help you avoid very expensive mistakes for example one of the OEMs in the past didn't have that software that actually checked the composition of the label and instead of announcing a car for six digits they the MSRP was five digits and they had to sell it for that amount right because nobody checked customer came and saw five digits and he snatched it so yeah, it's more complex than that. You need to make sure that all the data, it's very accurate because it's a very sensitive topic. It's not also for the pricing, 
but also for the safety regulations. What happens if you put the wrong tire pressure there and the customer inflates the tire until it explodes or it runs slow? That they, It can end up in a very bad accident. So data reliability, it's a very sensitive information that we make sure as Anchor that we provide the right data at the right time. Very important stuff. So what got you interested in this space? I know you said this company's been around for a while. You came on board as the CEO. What's a bit of your story and what led you here to be in this space? It's a cool space to be in. Yeah, for sure. I have always been a fan of the automotive industry. One of my biggest leaders is Lee Yakoka from Ford back in those days. Very passionate about the car industry and automotive industry overall, regardless if it's People say it's a very challenging industry and very high demanding industry, which it is. Previous to the automotive industry, I was on a consulting type of business. I traveled six different countries. I did assess more than 10 different industries. And after a while, I just wanted to do what I what I like, my passion, which is cars and work for a tier one supplier. So that's how I ended up here in Detroit and working for one of the leading tier ones in automotive. I love it. So you're a really forward-thinking leader. I think you're telling me, you know, about this, you know, the way you lead things, run things, even in creating content and all this stuff. What tactics, strategies, things have you implemented at the company to grow it? And what does that look like in your time here? Yeah. Yeah. So for innovating, I do like to call myself as a very disruptive person. People have called me disruptive as well. So one of the things that makes me stand out as an emerging leader in the automotive industry is that I do think different than the others, and different is not bad at all. So I do see people that normally has path A and path B, and normally I always go to C, right? And something to keep in mind for all the people that are hearing us at this podcast is that in this race, in your professional career, don't look at the other people. This Look yourself in the mirror and it's you against you. Don't pay attention to what other people have to say about you or criticize your ideas. Just if you have an idea, just pursue it, right? I love that. And then let's talk about the team you've created and how you go about engaging the team and people and all that. What does that look like? I think with the current generations that we're shifting, millennials do form 35% of the working force here in the United States. So it's a totally different mindset that requires for you to attract and retain talent. It's not the old business, the old automotive managing system that, that we used to do, like command and just delegate. I think right now the leadership that, that you need for you to be successful with your employees and your team is it's more of a servant servantship leadership. You need to be a servant leader. You need to be able to look for them and try to help help them in their development and everything. And also create that safe zone for them to be able to fail. And there's a, fra- a phrase that I like a lot that it says, if you're not failing, you're not doing it right. Correct? But also, I think my biggest motto for my leadership style, it's the word KPI. And it's not key performance indicator. That's more metric number driven. It's keep people interested, keep people informed, keep people involved. But most important of all, keep people inspired. So that's my my, my motto for my leadership. That's amazing. 
So what are some of the big lessons learned? Are there any like insights or lessons learned or things, you know, in growing this company that you'd have to say to others out there? Yeah. Yeah. Be besides the failing that you should like just keep going. And it's not about failing. Failing is lessons learned. It's what you do with the failure. You just need to take the failure, learn from it and keep moving forward. And don't be afraid to fail. That, that That's one of them. And the other one, it's keep hustling. You need to keep working smart, keep working hard every single day. But most important of all, you need to be able to do stuff or things that other people won't do. That's what will make you stand out. If you're willing and able to go the extra mile, that will differentiate you from the other people. Let's talk about content, LinkedIn, all that stuff. I know this is something on your radar, out of the box ideas and all that. Tell me how you're looking at that stuff these days. I think the marketing, the social media presence for every company nowadays, it's critical because it not only showcases your products, but it showcases your culture, it showcases your values and your vision as a company. People want to do business with someone that they know, someone that they feel and identify with, right? So my marketing social media strategy is more towards the team, towards the employee know the anchor team, know the anchor family, we're close together, but also we like to have fun, like something that is more personalized to our audience or our target market. What do we like to do outside of work? How do we have fun? Because we like working smart and hard, but we also like having fun as a team out there so you can really get to know into a more personal level your teammates. So my strategy is always... This is what Anchor is doing. This is the example we're leading at. And also promoting the wellness and the culture that we have. We were the first flagship company, for example, to put a breadless fridge, which is a company that it's gluten-free. It's a very healthy wraps. And we subsidize some part of it because I want my team to eat healthy and, and have those options for them. So that's something, the type of marketing that we also promote. I love that. And I saw that on your LinkedIn. There's a nice short video and all that. It's awesome stuff. Yeah, we were, it was a partnership series that they did. And as I said, we were the first company, the flagship company that said, you know what, guys, because it's a small business right now, it's growing very fast. It's minority owned also. We are a small, medium company, but we also were big supporters of charities, minority owned business, startups. And we also like to move the needle in, in that sense. Amazing stuff. What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? That nobody's perfect and you are able to fail. Absolutely. If you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that advice be? That I was doing it right. We were right. You should concentrate on yourself in this race. It's like you against you and just keep hustling. It's worth the sacrifice. Absolutely. If you could offer one piece of advice to the automotive industry as a whole, it, your customers, your partners, all that stuff, what would it be? Transition the leadership mindset. Get rid of the current model and transition into a more servant leadership model. I love that. Jose, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom and insights. No, it was a pleasure, Brad. Anytime. I'm looking forward. Absolutely.